Well, good morning to everyone here. Good morning to everyone watching at home. I want to welcome you to, we're almost done with this Daring Faith series. And Brian has been challenging us. And next week, we're going to be committing to God out of faith. But today, we're going to be talking about a concept of faith that we don't talk about a ton. Let's see if I can fix this. We're going to be talking about a concept of faith we don't talk about very much. We, you know, Brian's been sharing stepping out in faith and, and what you do with that. But today we're going to talk about waiting, daring to wait on God. I know you're probably like me. We don't like to wait. I don't like to wait. Who here likes to wait in traffic? If your hand is raised, then there's something wrong with you, Right? No one likes to wait in traffic. No one likes to wait in the doctor's office or the DMV. Our phones have told us that we don't have to wait for things very much because at just the touch of a finger, we can access the whole world's information. And it's really frustrating when it just spins, right? You know, whenever your Wi-Fi is not working, your day, you get frustrated because you got to wait, and we want it right now. But I know I was there. A few years ago, my wife and I were pregnant with our second uh, child, Josiah, and the due date came, it was November 30th of 2016, and in that, that morning, my wife, Katie, started having some contractions, she felt like. So she called up her doctor, said, hey, I have an appointment scheduled later this afternoon. Can I go ahead and come in now, and you can just check everything, make sure everything's okay, see if we need to go to the hospital or anything. And they said, yeah, come on in a little early, a few hours early, come on in. And so we did. So we get there, get checked in, and then go sit down on this couch. And this couch was going to be our our scene for the next for the next little bit in our in our life in our movie of our life so we're sitting there on this couch and katie is starting to have contractions and i have an app on my phone that times them so when she starts i start the timer and then she breathes through them and then i stop it when it's done so we're sitting there in the waiting room at the doctor's office and then you know a, some lady walks in gets checked in and then gets called back we're still sitting there more contractions another lady comes in checked in gets called back we're sitting here for about an hour. So at this point, Katie's contractions are lasting about 30 to 40 seconds, um, and, and they're every few minutes. So hour and a half has gone by now. There's probably been over a dozen women walking in and getting called back. So finally, I go up to the front. I'm like, hey, you know, we came in a little early, and my wife is kind of having contractions right here on the couch. Um, and would, would really like to know if we can get back. You know, they told us our appointment's not for another couple hours, but can we, you know, just what's going on? She said, well, how long are the contractions? And I said, well, they're about, about 40, 45 seconds apiece now, you know, every one, and it's every few minutes. So then I kid you not, the nurse says to me, oh, honey, if they're not a minute, they don't count. And I was just like, excuse me? Like, I know I've never been in labor and I never will be, but I can't imagine that you're saying it doesn't count if it's less than a minute. So I just was baffled by this. I walked back to the couch and, you know, Katie's getting ready to have another contraction and start the timer. It's about 55 seconds. So I, you know, it stops. And you got to be pretty comfortable and safe in your relationship to say this. But then Katie looks at me after it's done and goes, oh, that one didn't count. Because it was only 55 seconds. So, needless to say, he was born like literally like an hour later at the hospital. We finally get called back. The doctor can't even check her because if she did, the baby would have been born right there in the doctor's office. So Josiah was born like an hour later at the hospital. Um, but we've all been there. Maybe not that exact situation, but we've been somewhere where we're waiting and we're waiting and we're waiting and we're in 
We're in God's waiting room. We've all been all in those moments where we're waiting on God. So we're going to look at a very wise man named Solomon who wrote a book of the Bible called Ecclesiastes. And we're going to take some wisdom from him. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, it starts and it says this. There is a time for everything, as in the season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. There's a few things that we can see about time here, right? This is all about time. This is about something from here to here. And during all of that time, there's a lot of waiting. From birth to death, there's a lot of waiting in that window. From planting to uprooting. It talks about healing. Healing takes time. There's a lot of waiting. There's a lot of waiting going on. And so here's a few things we can take from the scripture to remember while we're waiting. Because for daring faith, you've been, you've been challenged to step out in faith. You've been challenged to ask God for something, maybe for something big, for a miracle. And what do we do while we're waiting for our answer? Here is something to remember while we're waiting. The first thing is this, is that there's just a natural delay between planting and harvesting. You see, farmers get this. My grandpa was a farmer. My mom grew up on a farm. My dad grew up down the street. He hung out on that farm a lot growing up. Farmers get this idea of having to plant in one season and harvest in another. We get this, you know, you don't get the results of what you planted in the same season. It's always in a different season. You don't plant and harvest in the same season. Right now, you're planting financial seeds. You're planting seeds of service. You're planting seeds of sacrifice. And you will see the results from those just later. There's a natural delay. A few months ago, Brian challenged us through the series that was called How I Neighbor, How We Can Be Better Neighbors Like Christ. And for, through that series, my wife and I were challenged to do something, because one of the things he said to be a good neighbor is through food. Who doesn't love food? We all love food. So one of the ideas that we came up with was what we call Muffin Monday. So every Monday, we go out in the morning, we go out on our driveway. I think we got a picture to show of my son out there. Uh, there he is. That's my son, Josiah, with his lovely, well, my poop emoji hat that he's wearing. Uh, but we're out there, so, you know, my wife makes muffins. She heats them up in the morning. I get the table set up. A lot of times, Josiah's out there, and he's helping me set up the table and getting the chairs. And we have the sign that says, free muffins. And for the first few weeks, we had a couple, two, two or so every week, would, every day would kind of drop by and get a muffin. The very first person to stop by actually tried to pay us. We're like, no, we're not, it's not for money at all. We just wanted to bless you because who doesn't need to pick me up on a Monday, right? So we can use that. So they go by, and then after a few weeks, we started to realize something, that the only people that were actually stopping were my parents and my wife's parents, <laughs> 
they would drive over, and they're not even stopping for us or muffins. They're stopping because they want to see the grandkids, right? So we realized, and so for about a month or so, pretty much the only people who stopped by to get muffins were our parents. And I will tell you, during that time, it was nice seeing them, but it was a little hard because part of Muffin Monday was to get to know our neighbors. So we realized we're, we're throwing out these seeds to try and, you know, wave at people and smile, and our kids are adorable yelling, free muffins, as their people are driving by. And we're realizing that there's not much happening. But a few weeks ago, we started seeing some of the harvest of the seeds we were throwing out. Our neighbor across the street, she has two younger sisters and an older sister, and she would come, and she would get four muffins for her and her sisters. And then our neighbor next door has seven kids, and one time the son came and grabbed eight muffins for just his family. And what we've noticed is we've started to see people stopping. My favorite example was there was this couple that drove by and we waved and they pulled over in front and they stopped and they got a muffin from us. And uh, we said, hey, you know what? We hope you have a blessed day. Just, you know, we'll be here next week, Muffin Monday. And he said, oh yeah, I know. I've been here before. We drive by a lot, but we don't normally have a lot of time, but you know, we did today. So thank you very much. And to me, that was such a huge blessing because it realized this was the guy who tried to pay us months ago, and he stopped again. And what we got to see was we got to see the harvest of those seeds we had planted. And even though we may not get to see some of those us smiling and waving and our kids running around and doing crazy things with pool noodles hitting each other or whatever they're doing up front to keep themselves entertained for an hour on our driveway, we get to see those, we got to see some of that harvest. And so there is a natural delay whenever we're waiting. Whenever we plant, there's going to be a delay. So we have to understand that. The second thing that we see says that, that we need to remember is that God always keeps his promises. If we read verse 11, the first part of it there of Ecclesiastes 3, it says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Notice how it doesn't say he's made some things beautiful. It doesn't say he's made most things. It doesn't even pull a germex and say it's made 99.99% of things beautiful. Everything. God has made everything beautiful in its time. He always keeps his promises. As you study through the scriptures, you will see that God made over 7,000 promises in the Bible. 7,000. God has put his reputation on the line by putting and writing his promises. And what we see when we look through scriptures, we see that he has delivered every single time. So we can understand that God always keeps his promises. There's a guy named Russell Carter, and in 1886, he wrote a hymn book called Songs of Perfect Love, and one of the hymns in this hymn book was called Standing on the Promises, a song some of you may have, have sung at some point in your life. But this guy, Carter, he gave his life to the Lord when he was 15 years old. He became an instructor at an academy. He became a coach, an ordained minister, a doctor, a musician, and songwriter. But like many people, Carter only truly rested on God's promises when he was faced with an illness. At age 30, he was diagnosed with a critical heart condition and given they don't know how much time to live. A professor was talking about this man, and she said that he knelt and made a promise that healing or not, his life was finally and forever consecrated to the service of the Lord. She said the scripture took on a new life for Carter. He began to lean on the promises he found in the Bible. And maybe even more important, his commitment to believe whether God healed him 
or not. It didn't matter to him if God healed him or not because he saw these promises of God and knew God delivered every time. And so he was gladly and very blessed to actually be healed. And he lived another 49 years of his life, writing more songs, healing more people as a doctor, and being able to help so many more people. But what was really important about his life is it didn't matter to him if he would have died at 30 or if he made it all the way to 89 years old because he said that he would put God, he would always trust God because he saw God's promises. And when he pins those songs, standing on the promises, those words, those were words he lived by. Oh, there we go. Sorry about that. Uh, But what we see is that God always delivers. So the third thing that we can see from Ecclesiastes that Solomon writes here, and the third thing that we need to remember while we're waiting on God, is that God might be preparing you for a blessing. Verse 11, the latter part of it says, he has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. From the moment that your heart started beating in your mother's womb, God had already set eternity in it. He's already preparing us that moment that we have our first heartbeat for eternity. He's preparing us for the blessing of eternity at that moment. So what we can see is that right now while you're waiting on God for the answer, while you're waiting for what you're praying for, what you're asking for, that God's actually preparing you to receive that blessing during this waiting time. God's preparing you. It's like a pregnant mother. You know, as they are growing? Should we say growing? I was trying to say it nicely. As they are growing in the stomach area, as they're growing there, they are expecting a blessing. They are seeing this blessing that they will get to hold one day, that they will get to nurse one day, that they will get to take care of and hold and cherish and love, but they don't have it yet, right? During those nine months, God is preparing those parents for a blessing of a child. Maybe God is preparing you right now for the blessing that you are asking for. And so while you're waiting, remember that God's preparing you for that blessing. So those are some things to remember. All right, got some things to remember. I can do that. Good, good, good. What do we do? Because it's so important for us to not just sit here and remember things, but to actually go and do things, taking an action with our beliefs. So What do we do while we're waiting on God? We know what to remember. We saw from Ecclesiastes, Solomon gave us some good wisdom. But what do we do? So here's four things I want you to consider trying to do while you're waiting on God. The first thing, write down the lessons you're learning. Deuteronomy 11 verse 2 says, Remember today that your children were not the ones who saw and experienced the discipline of the Lord your God, his majesty, his mighty hand, his outstretched arm. These are the words of Moses. Moses had just, they had just gotten out of Egypt where they were in captivity for years and years and they were on slavery and they were doing so many things they didn't want to do. And they get out into the desert and they are free from this. But Moses is telling them, your kids aren't going to remember what was it like before. Your grandkids are going to have no idea what it was like to live in Egypt under the slavery of Egypt. So we need to be writing down what we're learning 
We want to learn from our history. We want to learn from our mistakes. We want to learn from our celebrations, the good things that happen in our life. And the, one of the best ways is to write down your lessons. When I was at Bible college getting my, my Bible degree there, uh, there was really, it was so cool getting to just learn so much. Being in school, learning so much, I was so passionate about I was, what I was learning. And I would take so many notes. And one of my favorite classes was Life of Christ. And it was, the professor there was so engaging. He was so good. I just literally wanted to just sit and listen to him. I just wanted to listen to him talk. It's like every Sunday when Brian's preaching, you know? Like, you just want to sit there and listen, right? So I just wanted to sit there and listen. But the problem was, I didn't take many notes because it was so good, I just wanted to listen. And the problem with that was I wasn't able to go back and remember all of the things because I didn't write them down. So as I was interning as a youth pastor, and I'm taking the things I've learned from school, I'd go back to that notebook, and it'd be, like, empty. And it'd be like, oh, yeah, Jesus is great, cool. You know, like, I, I didn't, but I did not write down my lessons. So it's so important for us to be writing down what we're learning. While you're waiting, write down the lessons you're learning. Maybe you have a prayer room in your house. Maybe you take notes in your Bible. Maybe you're on your phone, and you, you can highlight things and take notes, but write things down. It's so cool to go back and see what God had done in your life when you, wrote, when you write things down. When you view them again, you can see, oh, yeah, I remember asking for that. Oh, I got to see the promise. You'll get to, it'll, it'll build your faith because you'll get to see God delivering on the promises. So write down your lessons. The second thing I want to challenge you to try to do is to act as though you already have it. Now, these are words directly from Jesus in Mark eleven twenty four. He says, Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer... Believe that you have received it and it will be yours. This scripture could be taken out of context a lot. We can read it and go, oh yeah, okay, well, I really wanted that thing for Christmas, so I guess if I pray for it, I'll get it, right? That's not what it's talking about here. This is kind of a next level, like whenever you're like expert level of, of your faith, that you are so in tune with God that you're acting as though you already have the blessing you're asking for. My mother-in-law is a wonderful woman of faith. She is someone that I very much would call a prayer warrior. And so if, a couple months ago, whenever um, my wife and I went to get an ultrasound, because we're having a baby like a, two weeks from tomorrow, which is crazy. So a couple, a few, a couple months ago, we were at the, getting an ultrasound, and the, the ultrasound text said that the baby was flipped the wrong way and turned the wrong way. So like the exact opposite of what you want um, at that moment and so the doctor said, you know, it's a little early, so it's not a big deal, but just be something to be aware of. So we get home, and Katie texts her sisters, and we get home, and her mom is there watching our kids for us. And uh, Katie says, yeah, the baby's the wrong way. And was, without any hesitation, Katie's mom put her hand on Katie's stomach and said, God, thank you for turning this baby around. God, thank you that this baby will be in the right position to be born in a healthy great way that everyone is safe, mom is safe, baby is safe. And it was so cool, get, like give me goosebumps just remembering this because she was someone that was so in tune. She was able to act as though it was already done. She was tell, asking God and saying, God, thank you for doing this for us. So if you're to that point where you can do that, all power to you. That is a very difficult one for me. The third thing to uh, try to do while you're waiting is imitate the habits that grow strong faith. You want to look to other people as examples. 
We all probably have someone in our life, a pastor, a parent, a sibling, a coach, a teacher, someone we look up to that has strong faith. Someone that we, someone that in, we see their life and we want to replicate them. So what I want to challenge you to do is to imitate what they're doing that grows their faith. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 12 says, we do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Look at those people we look up to and ask them, what are you doing? You seem to be someone that has strong faith. What you might find out is they'll probably tell you they, they may not. They might tell you, oh, they might be very, maybe one of their gifts is humility, and they're going to tell you that, no, they are not as, they're not as strong as you think they are, but what they are doing is they are trying to put God first in everything they do. So ask them, what are you doing? Go to your friends, go to your mentors, and ask them, what are you doing, and imitate those. Maybe they are someone who's a prayer warrior. Maybe there's someone who studies scripture every day. They get up early every morning and they study this, the word together. Maybe there's someone who acts out their faith through serving and they serve their community. They serve their church. But imitate those things that grow strong faith. Take those habits on for yourself. The last thing to do, the last thing to try doing, it's very easy to say, but it's hard to do, to trust God instead of panicking. This, this one has become very apparent in 2020, where we have a year that is full of fear, and is full of struggle, and is full of loneliness, and it's very easy for us to panic during those moments. The reasons that we have fear are a lot of times because we don't know what's going to happen. We're scared of the dark because we don't know what's in front of us. We can't see something could be there that could hurt us. We're scared of heights because we might trip and fall and this could be a deadly height, so we're scared of the heights. We're scared of being enclosed in tight spaces because we're scared we may never get out again, right? So these are all fears we have and a lot of it is built on the things that we don't know what's gonna happen next. So what I wanna challenge you to try to do is in those moments when you start to have fear because you're waiting for an answer from the doctor, or you're waiting for your next job, or you're waiting for the grade on your assignment, that instead of your, that initial reaction of panicking to trust. Psalm 56, verse 3, very simply says this, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. Maybe this can be your verse you go to in those moments where you panic in those moments when you don't know what's going to happen and your initial reaction is to have fear, when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. Trusting God during those moments is not something that you will just leave here today and do immediately. It's a muscle you have to build. In the same way, when you go to, the, when you go to work out, when you go to run and you're trying to build up your time, you're trying to build up your reps, it takes you a moment to get to the point where you're comfortable. It takes you the moment to get to your goal. Trusting God is a muscle that you need to work on. And so your initial reaction, instead of panicking, instead of fear, will be to trust. Again, I know this is easy to do, easy to say, and hard to do, but I challenge you to start doing that. So those are some things. What I want to challenge you to do today, as you leave here today, pick one of these four things, at least one, and do it. Try it out. Try acting out as if you've already had it. Maybe that works for you. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe you can look to someone and imitate their faith. I want you, what I want you to do is pick one and try it out. 
And what you can do is as we're leaning towards this next Sunday where we are going to be just acting out in faith and committing to God with our faith, during this week, do one of these. And it can build up your faith. It can give you that daring faith. And while we are waiting, because that's what it's all about, waiting, we are all waiting on something in our life right now. We can pick one of these things and it can challenge us and it can build our faith even more. Trust in God, imitating those habits. Act as you already have it and writing down your lessons. Pick one of those and do it. Tell someone else that you're doing it too. Tell a spouse, tell a friend that they can challenge you and make sure that you're following through. And pick one and go all in with it. Go all in, jump into the deep end, have no regrets, and I guarantee you it will be a blessing to you. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the encouragement from your word. I thank you for this, uh, this church where we have a body of believers who are stepping out in faith. And right now, I just lift up uh, our, our, uh, our prayers, our, our challenges that we've put on ourselves or that we are asking for. I pray that we are asking in good faith and that you are building up our faith through this time, through this time of waiting. I thank you that you are preparing us for a blessing. I know it's hard to see that sometimes. I know for me it's hard to see. But I know that you've never failed and you will continue to push through and you will continue to be there for us. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.